Welcome to the Digital Customer Experience Podcast by Kiosk. I'm thrilled to bring you stories, insights, and expert opinions on the ever-evolving world of digital customer experience. I'm super excited today because we have an amazing guest who's truly special. He is Mario. He's not just an executive. He's a seasoned pro in business transformation and innovation. Remember those groundbreaking projects at Novartis? Yep. That was Mario leading the charge, and he scooped a bunch of awards for his innovative approaches there. But the story doesn't stop with healthcare. He has been everywhere from education to telecom and even smart cities. Think of a sector, and Mario has probably transformed it in some way. He's been with big names like Accenture, Telefonica, Vivo, and Ericsson. Talk about such a varied career. So Mario, with all this experience under your belt, I bet you've got some killer insights on how digital world is reshaping customer experience. We're all years. Welcome to our podcast, Mario. Thank you very much, Daniel. I'm really looking forward to have a great discussion here with you today. Lovely, Mario. And I'm so jealous. You live in one of the most diverse and colorful countries. And Brazil is a place that's been my bucket list to travel for a long, long time. It's such a diverse and dynamic country, right? Uh, and I also know that you've moved to Sao Paulo, right? How does this change of like such a huge and a big country moving from, you know, a different city to Sao Paulo, how do you usually adapt to change? What's different? How do you embrace change? Cool. Uh, well, I'm known in my closer cycles, friend cycles by because I was, I'm the guy that had moved 28 times in my life. So, 20, and I've been times. here in the same home in Sao Paulo for 10 years. So it was very intense before that. Hold uh, on a second. Did you just say 28 times? Yes, two eight. <laughs> okay, I want to know this story. 28 times, where have you moved? Well, when I was really young, well, my father and mother parted ways uh, and they got married again and they are still are with the same people uh when i was really young and one uh, my stepfather and my mother uh they worked in our in an international area of a bank and then we started well i was born in niterói near rio de janeiro and we moved a lot in in that city before as well but we started moving to brasilia then to sao paulo then i lived in buenos aires for six years then i came back to brasilia and well, that kind of molded me in some way. I'm always curious about change because I'm very positive regarding change. I don't feel comfortable being in the comfort zone, honestly. I really embrace, I see every time that uh, change is good, change is positive, and I see that, okay, it gives you some, it's not an easy process, but I embrace it. And I always think that the best place that you can be is right here, right now. And you can do yep. the difference there. Yep. And well, my entire career, I've been always business developer, innovation developer, digital transformation. It yeah, connects but, with who I am. <laughs> but my, 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 my awe is 28 times and you're still relatively young. Mm -hmm. My first question is, was it hard to make friends because you constantly keep moving. I do have, well, I do, I kind of easily connect with people typically, mm -hmm. and I do friends. And actually I look forward to connecting with new people all new the people. time. So, 
I'm that's not surprised kind of because the first yeah. time when we met, you were like immediately like you know lively and uh, very like you know warm. And I can I can feel that you're easy to connect with. And mm-hmm. one more question that I want to ask about Brazil in general is like, you know, anytime there's like an opening of a mu- movie, there's like a drone flying, and you can see the Christ the Redeemer statue, and like you know, not just movie in documentaries, anything about Brazil, you see that statue. For me, I want to know what is something really special about that statue. Why does people always show that statue? Is there something that you could tell that we as guests, foreigners who have never traveled there, can you give us a little bit more insights about that statue? Absolutely. So, well, I'm from Niterói, very near Rio. I've been up there like three times and every time is amazing. And that's the thing that it's not explainable by pictures or anything like that. First, the statues in the top of a mountain on a hill that's pure rock. So when you're looking down below, it's how do I get there? <laughs> that's the first question that you ask. Yeah. And it's from the back of the mountain that's less inclination. So you can really go there and you can go by car. There are some people that goes walking, hiking. Yeah. And there's people, but the, the most special way to go there, there's a specific, very small train with special rails that because of the inclination, it has to go yeah. very, climb a very stiff hill. Um, and you go through a forest, Atlantic right. forest that's very dense, very beautiful. Wow. And the, 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 it's a special place to go. First, if you are a religious person, of course, you have a, a different connection there. This statue, if you're not so religious, this statue is beautiful, it's big, but the view from there is breathtaking. Wow. You can see a ton of pictures, but being there is different. It's kind of, you feel small because you see the, 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 the sightings is amazing. You have, Rio is a city that has several mountains. You have the sea, you have the city, you have the forest and the mix of that and the view from there it's amazing and it's it's absolutely free view you see like 360 degrees of course you have the statue on your back but yeah. you see everything so the, the feeling and the sensation is amazing uh, and that's not explainable by pictures and that i connect with what with with our main theme here about customer experience and what your the customer experience and engagement of course so first consistency i've been there three times yeah it is always amazing yeah although i know what i expect it's great secondly is the surprise effects that you really have with that experience the feeling and that's something that in general is not so appreciated in the services you see a lot of the functionality but you miss sometimes the connection with the user of the customer about the, the their emotions in that service or their connection with the what what they are trying to achieve, or their emotional needs, or their social needs, and those things are very important if you want to provide a great experience or a great engagement with customers. Oh, lovely! I love how you connected this with uh, the statue with customer experience. It's amazing how you could do that. That's so cool. Now jumping in a little bit more okay. into your realm of being a novartist and now you're st- you're a co-founder of a company before we jump a little bit into your company i want to ask how is it working with startup like your company 
And how is it working with like some really big companies in the past, like Novartis? What's the difference? What's the benefit? What's the plus? What's the minus? Yeah. So let me go back and tell a little bit the story of, well, I've been always in the corporate world. Yeah. And now, uh, since August, uh, I started as an entrepreneur. And what, what made my decision to go there uh, and not to keep going and being an innovation leader or digital transformation leader in any other companies? And the thing is, uh, well, first, my, my need to change sometimes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's there, as always there. But there are, there are two things that I consider very important to be in, in one company. Um, first is, is what you're going to do meaningful for you. So it connects with your values and your vision of the world. And when I moved to Novartis from Accenture to Novartis, I, I found that very interesting. And so I can impact the life of patients. I can impact the healthcare system. I can do some change. The second thing is the kind of impact that you can provide. So do you connect with the purpose? And then am I going to have impact, I have the, cap the capability or the capacity to impact yeah. uh, with my daily work. And after two, more than two years in Novartis, I understood that the purpose was amazing, but my capability of impact after creating the, the innovation area, the digital innovation area in Brazil, that was with amazing process. I used to be part during that period. I was also the uh, I was also responsible for the business agility part. That was a, a business agility is a very tough thing to do in a, in a company in large scale. But the thing that I was starting to miss was my capability to do impact. One of the things is in large companies you have a very difficult challenge regarding first connect innovation with the strategy and we did that we found a return on investments in those projects and we could prove that but in every crisis or in every time and i see not just in the pharmaceutical companies but i see in the world i, I have several friends there are yeah. innovation leaders uh, innovation is an area that suffers a lot because yeah. there there are some issues with that first it's not the core uh you can pay the bills with the core, but I think the, what, what, what you are trying to do is the pension with innovation. You are looking for keeping the company uh, always new and always refreshed and pirine and yeah. being there for a long time. So that's kind of challenge that, that, that we have. And innovation has some issues. First, the typical innovation process is addressing uh, incremental and adjacent innovation. So things that are very near the core, typically those are the, the, the interesting projects. Yeah. But still, if you follow the process to make it right and to have a good result, it takes too long. It's like from, I, I took from the challenge or idea, I'll say, I mean, what challenge do I have until we get to a prototype or something that we can test, concept yeah. test? with the customer in, in a pharmaceutical company it takes nine months. A long time. It took yeah. me, yes. And we were trying to streamline the process all the time. We had a very good team there, a large yeah. team dedicated to that. And it still takes too, too long time. And 
what a, and, and this frustrates everybody, honestly. Yeah. Frustrates yeah. the team, frustrates the executives that are investing in innovation. And sometimes you're not doing the, the, the more disruptive things and you, you don't even have the time to, that, to do that. Yeah. So we are doing things that are near the core that should be quickly, easy, or a territory that you need to, to conquer really, really fast and you're not delivering that. And that, I believe, is what generates frustration, not only in pharmaceutical companies, but in all companies that are investing in innovation. And that was the thing that I saw with the raise of Gen AI, and I started testing that. Yeah. And I saw a very promising technology to solve that issue, not only for the innovation teams, but to enable other teams to do innovation, because innovation is a capability. is not something that uh, you need a, a specific dedicated area for everything. For something, yes, but yeah. not for everything. Lovely. So this is your transformation from a multinational company to your own company. Yeah. Right. So let's jump a little bit into your company. Mm -hmm. What is Jenny, or <laughs> is the right way to say Genie? Genie, yes, we call it Genie. Genie yeah. is the right way to say it. And what is Genie? And how do you impact people's life through Genie? Before you answer, I just want to say, why am I asking you this question? Is because when you were a part of a really big organization, you addressed the fact that you're not able to create impact directly. So which means that when you wanted to start a new company, it probably addresses the impact. So if you could tell what is Genie <laughs> and okay. how does it impact people's lives? So Genie is a Gen AI powered platform designed to accelerate innovation. And it answers those issues that I mentioned. So it drastically reduces the time it takes to bring new products, services, and business to market, streamlining that journey that I mentioned from the initial challenge until you reach the customer testing. That's a very tough zone to be. Typically, it takes two to nine months in every company that I know. Even the most effective one, it takes no, no less than two months. Uh, but with Genie, we reduce that to just one week without really reducing quality. And that's the main thing because you have like design sprints. Ah, okay, I did a lot of that. And the quality is not that good compared to the, the whole process, whole innovation process. So the platform makes innovation not only faster, but also more assertive and efficient. Let me take an example from the pharmaceutical company. So typically what a pharmaceutical company has is a challenge when it launches a new product is okay. Now I have a challenge of the system that, okay, it takes too long uh, for patients to get diagnosed. Or there are uh, under-treated patients compared to the new treatments that I'm providing to the market right now. Or there's a challenge of patient adherence to that treatment. So those are three good examples of typical pharma challenge that they see from their perspective. So what the platform does, first, each each of those challenges needs to be refined because it has a specific context, a specific data, it has a specific therapeutic area or treatment area, and the physicians are different from, from so, and the, the, the whole healthcare system treats those paths in a different way. So you need to bring context to the table because that will define what type of solution you are going to provide to the healthcare system. <clears throat> so the platform will bring you data, 
will help you connect that challenge with the company strategy as well. So we will ask good questions until you refine. And one thing is, is this challenge worth uh, uh, doing or worth investing in? Yeah. So it's we also check if it's not so small, so it's such a niche that one, wouldn't be viable for the company to do. So we refine the challenge and then the magic starts. Um, we interview digital twins of patients and HCPs, for instance, to understand their needs and pain points. So we come, we get outside of the company without needing to get outside the company. That was one huge struggle for pharma, uh, for pharma companies. And most of the companies has a struggle here as well. Going outside is not so easy. Scheduling uh, interviews with patients, with HCPs is a challenge for a pharmaceutical company, but also for all the companies to go outside. Yeah. But there is enough data in Gen AI that can simulate those, uh, those personas that you can create. So you have enough data, and I tested it several times, yeah. to streamline the process internally and do the customer discovery, understand their needs, their pain points really quickly. And that's a cool thing to do. After that, you need to ideate the solution. And we have created a, a strong ideation machine that also helps you to go beyond your walls and bring ideas from other industries that also are addressing similar needs or similar pain points to inspire you, to give you new ideas, to give you new perspectives. And the way we prioritize, again, is very customer-centric. Everybody that, you know, ever, have you ever been an ideation workshop? So you have all those post-its in the wall yep. and people start putting dots in, yep. in voting yep. for those that they want to. I don't know a process that is more full of biases than this one. Because everybody's trying to push and giving their spe very specific perspective. Yeah. We invert the logic here and put the customer on the center, on the, on the center of the stage. And we prioritize the ideas based on their needs, oh, on yeah. their pain points instead yeah. of the companies. Of course, you after that, you have uh, the strategic part of the company. How do that connect to the strategy, et cetera? But, First, let's talk about the customer. And we prioritize that way. So we refine and we have the, the prioritization. And now you have a concept. Yep. You, we can go out of the office again and do concept testing with digital twins again. Yep. Uh, but in a different way where they say, okay, I like this idea because I have concerns regarding these. Those are the highlights of your value proposition. And then you have a, a better feedback in a, in a very early stage to refine your idea. Yeah. After that, you need to build the service blueprint, mainly when you are going innovating for a go-to-market with a service. Uh, products here is not the, the main target. We're not developing drugs, for instance, but uh, for this, those adjacent services yeah. uh, or new business that some farmers uh, are trying to develop. Uh, we can, we need to develop an entire blueprint of the service. So, which are those phases of the service? What yeah. kind of interactions does the patient have to do? What kind of interactions does the HCP has have to do? What what's the interface to do that? What 
pain points and needs and my tackling in that specific phase. And we build that in a second. Yeah. Something that will take like two weeks at least to develop from the concept to deploy the blueprint. We do that in a second. It's not, again, it's a co-pilot. It's not perfect. It needs customer interaction, but it, it needs customer. It needs the, the, the team interaction to develop that. But it's a huge accelerator. And yeah. after that, you, you or you go out to find startups and the platform will help with that as well. We are redeveloping that part. Or you can do the prototype, which we already have. So you have a prototype that now you go out of the office with a much refined solution, understanding in every step what kind of needs and pain points you are trying to address and solve. And now you go out of the office and validate that with the real person. We don't exclude in any way that you need to go out of the office to validate before deploying or doing a pilot or really invest in that solution. But uh, doing that from nine months or two months to one week and reaching this stage, uh, that was what amazed me and made me create a company because I see a problem that every innovation, every product or every marketing team has to create new stuff or to evolve, even evolve, if I have a set of features, which feature should I invest? What is, how that feature connects with the, the journey that I already have? So the evolve, evolution of the services has the same issue as well. And I see people doing that and taking more than a year to launch new services or new features in their, in their services. And we are doing that in a much shorter, shorter time, one week, with a strong quality, and that's what I was inspired enough to, okay, now it's time to create impact in not only one industry, but in several industries by reducing the time to market and doing that with the customer really on the center of stage, even, even if it's a digital twin of the customer. I love talking to founders, co-founders, and CEOs because of the passion that they have for the business, right? It's very different when a, when a founder or a CEO talks about their business than someone who's working for the company. I have uh, so many questions. Nine months to a week is amazing. Like sometimes they say too good to be true, which is, you know, being a devil's advocate, yes, some people might think, how is it possible? Can Nova just not do that or Merck not do that or some, you know? So my question is, what is the intellectual property that someone cannot take this idea and make this their own? So uh, first is the team that we have that has a strong knowledge about those processes. And the way we have connected the processes with the, with the, with the capabilities, the GNI that we are, Sometimes using several stuff that's already there, we are uh, based on that and really uh, leveraging on what is already there, but we are developing our own things. And we can talk more about some of the own things like, yeah. okay, what to do with data that we are treating there? Yeah. That's one thing. The other is the intelligence that you need to run the process. Yeah, Innovation process is not linear. Uh, depending on what you are doing, it will take decisions. And what we have done and we are evolving really quickly is what kind of tool or what kind of things you need to do in that in every step. And that's our proprietary uh, Gen AI that we're building uh, and, and training and evolving all the time. 
to make sure that you are doing uh, the right steps and the most effective way to keep it short and assertive. Yep. And one another point that I loved about your uh, answer is uh, whenever you ideate, you have like a bunch of sticky notes on the wall. Everyone is trying to push their idea. But then you said you put the customer in the center and how can we serve or help the customer's need? So let's try to contribute now, right? What made you come up with this approach from a you know a regular sticky notes approach? What is different about this? Why is this working? What made you come up with this? I think that your question is part of the answer. So really putting the customer in the center is, an, is something that companies don't do, even if they want to do. Yeah. They do a lot of market research, for instance. Yeah. To do a market research takes no long, no less than four months. Yeah. No less than that. And sometimes you are very precise in some things that don't need to be extremely precise. For instance, I build digital twins of personas. Can that replace a max research? I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. There are several studies that Gen AI is getting to that point, but not yet. I can say, okay, I, I, based on, on the data, I can build some personas and... It doesn't matter typically if that persona is 40% of the population or it's 60% of the population, typically. Yeah. And even by the design thinking rules, you should design for the extremes. The personas needs to be there because if you design for extremes, everything that's in the middle is typically attended. Yeah. So what is the most relevant is not to have precision sometimes is really that persona exists or that two or three or four personas exists and you need to design to that. Yeah. Even for those extremes, you need to design for that. Yeah. You will validate the amount of people, the amount of interest in that in those features for those different personas when you validate with the real with the real solution after that. Yeah. And you can take start taking out some of the of the features. But you spend a lot of time in the process focusing on things that's not exactly the customer and you take too long to validate. Yeah. And that's the most important thing that you need to do is validate your solution. But you do a lot of research, 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 and you don't bring something to the table to validate if that value proposition is really strong enough to, to be launched. And that's a kind of twist that we did uh, with the process and we try to validate with the personas all the time, really do a customer-centric process, although it's using digital twins, but it has very good information. And from the experience that we took and all the pilots and things that we did at the very early stage, it was precise enough to develop really good solutions. Lovely. And now coming to the, the most discussed topic with regards to pharma, healthcare is omni-channel strategy, omni-channel approach, omni-channel, omni-channel, omni-channel. So now that you are a co-founder of a company that solves so many problems and way mm -hmm. faster, how can Genie make omni-channel an easy approach for pharmaceutical companies? There are two ways that we can improve the approach. First, 
the engagement that is already there is having is creating a lot of data. Um, you can use that data to improve your own service, new features, new things that should be addressing those needs and pain points that you're not addressing yet with the omnichannel strategy that you have. And the second one is you need sometimes to create new services. Yeah. And a new service is part of the environment of an omnichannel approach. The difference between the typical campaign and mail marketing approach and the connection with the, you have with the reps, if they have the right information, these kind of things with a service yeah. is that first, the service will provide much more deep information for yeah. you. That's I'm looking inside my walls, but outside the service will align your interests with the interests of your stakeholder. That's what a service really creates. You align those services. Well, let me put an example on that. So if I'm developing a service that will connect the patient to the right specialist, because I'm talking sometimes with a rare or chronic disease, and that yeah. patient's kind of lost to reach the diagnosis. If I'm bringing that patient to the right specialist, you are bringing value to that specialist yeah. because you're bringing patients you are keeping, you are making him keep updated regarding the studies and everything because now he has the need to be updated. Because if he studies something and no one appears with that specific disease, nothing happens. Yeah. So these kind of service that you create, and of course, this is part of your omnichannel strategy. But, but now you have a much deeper engagement with the with the stakeholder that you're talking to. Yep. So it's 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 pretty awesome that I'm looking forward to what Genie is going to come up in the next few years and to see the growth of Genie, especially with regards to pharmaceutical industry and also other industries. And I'm a big believer of AI is going to enhance so many companies that adopt early and use its 100% of the capabilities. And we've seen only like 10% of what AI can do for us. So from Giosk and from the Digital Customer Experience Podcast, we want to thank you and say all the very best with your company and looking forward to having you again when your company turns into a billion dollar company and you know in in stock exchange and so on we'd be so happy to have you and i want to say thank you it's a pleasure to talk to you and anytime we have a guest from brazil they bring warmth they bring light and they bring joy thank you so much thank you so much daniel it was a pleasure and hope to see you soon and to all our customers and all our viewers, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. For more in-depth discussions on the digital customer experience, drop us a comment below with your thoughts and questions that you might have for Mario, that you might uh, want to ask him now, or in the comment section that he's going to answer all of that for you. Until next time, stay curious and keep innovating. This is Daniel Paul from Geosk.